Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Keep your Bibles in your hands. We're going to start the service in an old-fashioned way with a Bible reading. The way they used to do it in our parents' church. Hallelujah. (laughs) Philippians chapter 2 from verse 1. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. I think it's going to be up on the screen, but I want you to still follow me in your Bible. It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Do not be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Do not look only to your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore... God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declared that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that by the power of your spirit, the teaching of today will be separate from the words of a motivational speaker Because the integrity of your word in its ability to produce in the hearts of the hearers what it talks about will be manifest this morning. Thank you because you are producing in us a love walk stronger than ever before. And it will be the wonder of the world. And your name will be glorified in Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Say loud amen. Amen. All right, you may please be seated. The title of my sermon today is... Church mind. Church mind. Have you ever been tempted to use this phrase to warn someone about something before? You had pizza and ice cream in the fridge, and your friend comes to you and is appealing to you, I would like to have some, I would like to have some. And you're like, no, I'd like to have some, I would like to have some. Eventually, after so much persuasion, you say, go and have it. And then as it takes a few steps, you tell him, hold on. Use your church mind. To cut out of it. Maybe because you know that friend. Or you, 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 I mean you have a flatmate and the person wants to use out of your perfume. Your perfume that you have been using one puff per week just so that it will last. And the last time you told him he could use it, he was praying like this. <laughs> have you seen Kung Fu sprayers? And so this time around, they're saying, I would like to have some, I would like to have some. And you're reluctant. Eventually, you say, have some. But use your church mind 
to use it. You see, we use that phrase to appeal to the conscience of people because, you see, the world recognizes you as a person of faith, as a religious person, and whether you like it or not, they hold you accountable to a standard. They say, church mind because you go to church. And so there is a way you are meant to behave. And rightly so. You see, there is a church mind. There is an ecclesia mentality. There's a way we're meant to behave, especially to one another. Hallelujah. And so this is what Paul is talking about. He said, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? What, what's the benefit there? Do you realize what expectation the world should have from you as someone who belongs to Christ? Is there any comfort from his love? Any comfort for us to witness? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Do you have that koinonia in the spirit? Uh, has it really changed your heart? You see, because formerly our idea of church and how we got here is, oh, we're just looking for a local church close to our, our house, and we found a church with great music, and the preachers, the preachers decent, and so we decided to attend. But he's letting you know that the origin of the true church is spiritual. He talks about a tender heart. The fulfillment of the prophecy of Ezekiel, that heart transplant, he has taken away the stony heart out of your flesh and given you a heart of flesh, and he's saying, well, we got to see some proof. Do you really have the koinonia in the spirit? If you do, then this is how we ought to see you act. Don't think of your own interest alone. Think about the interest of others. Prefer others before yourself. Learn to give generous compliments. Recommend others besides yourself. Let this mind be in you. If you belong in Christ, there is a mind, a mindset, a way to behave. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So this is a training on who we are and what is expected of us. And that's the concept of church mind. You know, people holding you accountable to a standard. If you belong to Christ, prove it. And that's what koinonia is. You see, a lot of people think fellowship, which, which is the, I mean, koinonia is the Greek word for fellowship. It's just, oh, house fellowship, self fellowship. I had fellowship today. But listen you can have someone by your side and not have koinonia with that person. Even if you were side by side in your local church. That's not what koinonia is. The fact that you sang together does not mean you had koinonia. Hallelujah. Koinonia talks about a consistent testimony. Oh, this is your testimony. That's my testimony too. And a consistent conviction. This is what you believe. This is what I believe too. Practical example. Has it ever happened to you that something interesting happened in your life and you're wondering if anyone else has had that experience and the moment you decide to share with people, someone else just said, I know what you're talking about and begins to corroborate what you're saying. How did you feel when that happened? You know, maybe you were saying, man, guys, you need to see what what I went through with that MMM experience. And as you were talking, another person said, ah, you too. And you're telling the story. Listen, 
when you're talking about an experience, a personal testimony, and someone has a similar testimony, psychologically, your mind opens towards that person. Has it happened to you before? Because you just feel like there's a common ground. You have something in common. That's koinonia. When you have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, and you see someone else, you descend light in his life, and then you have that fellowship, you know, that's what true koinonia is. Not we attend the same church. Sincerely, someone in China might have more koinonia with you than someone who is sitting by your side. Because what defines koinonia is consistency of conviction and experience. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so Paul holds you accountable. Oh, you have that experience in the spirit? Then this is how you ought to act. Hallelujah. Because if, you, if you're not careful, you will not realize the spirituality of our origin. You need to know how the church came to be. It's not just by walking and entering an assembly. You, you, you need to know where you come from. And maybe if you know where you come from, you will know how to treat the person by your side better. And that's what, what we want to do. I want to talk about your history, how the church came to be. Look at John chapter 12. Are you with me this morning? John chapter 12, verse 24. I have to move quickly. John 12, 24, Jesus speaking. He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. So he's telling you the only way a fruit can multiply itself is by dying. So now Jesus, when he was on the earth, was the only begotten son of God, the only son of God. At that time, the song people sing was correct. Jesus, now the only son of God. It's not true anymore. Jesus is not the only son of God. Hallelujah. The Bible said he has brought many sons to glory. Hallelujah. I'm a child of God. Are you a child of God? Hallelujah. But at the time, he was the only son of God. And the only way it would be possible for God to have more sons was for him to die. His death, death was going to be the birth of the church. That's what he said, except he likens it to agriculture. So just so you can get an idea, you just plant few grains of maize, and then the maize dies, you know, in the ground, it, I mean, and it decomposes. But after a while, you see it sprouts, you know, from that soil. Very faint, very fragile, but it, then it continues to grow longer and bigger and stronger. It has branches. And then what was just few grains in the ground is now multiplied. And from that single plant, you have thousands of them. That's the salvation story explained with agriculture. Jesus was such a good teacher. Hallelujah. Look at Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 18. I wish I could start from the earlier verses, tell you the whole context. But Matthew 16, 18 is special because this is the first time the word church was used. The, the word koinonia was used. 
And it also tells us the origin of the church. It says, and I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of what? Hades. Hell, some of your translations say. But Greek word, Hades, which actually means the grave. The gates of the grave would not prevail against it. And now this is somehow confusing. It was Jesus who died. So why are you saying the gates of the grave would not prevail against the church? Not against Christ, but against the church. What's going on here? What's he trying to explain? Because you see, though he died an individual, he rose a nation with a family. Hallelujah. His resurrection was our resurrection. His rise was the birth of the church. Hallelujah. Just like one seed planted in the ground, bringing forth much fruit. He said, he's going to die. And the gates of the grave will not prevail against the church. This is what makes the church so sacred. Our history. The death of Jesus has made our association so sacred. Someone died for us to have the association that we have. Do you understand this? And you see, this mindset, this theology became a major teaching in the early church. Paul will often say, destroy not with your meat he for whom Christ died. So, I mean, in Christ, there, there is no food that is sacred. You can eat whatever you like. But some people, they have their theology messed up. They feel that as a child of God, you must eat only vegetables. Now, that's silly theology. But the concept of koinonia is because of the worth of the prize that was paid for that person, you would rather not hurt him. He's growing. Sooner or later, he will understand. So what is more important is that we keep that person here for now. So even if I have the right in Christ to eat meat, if meat is going to offend the brother, I'm going to keep meat aside. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even though the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, just to protect a brother's life, I'm going to keep meat aside. Example, you're going out to go and preach. You know that those who say ladies should not wear trousers, they are not correct. There is no biblical proof, properly exegeted biblical proof of that. But you're going to meet people out there that they don't know the gospel, but they are sure women should not wear trousers. And if you're not careful, you will spend all the time you should have used to evangelize to be arguing that point. So what do you do? For the sake of that brother or that sister, wear your skirt. If possible, let it be flowing. Let it touch the ground well. And then you tie your hair. Hallelujah. And you go out and preach. They will learn later. They will learn. So now, we must treat people based on the worth of the price that was paid for them. If this was a club, you know, or maybe just a social club or your office, you're trying to agree with someone on something, the person does not want to agree, you just say, get out, that's your business. Who cares? Now you must care. Hallelujah. 
Because of the price that was paid for that person, you must care. There are some things you used to say in the world you can't say anymore. Go to hell. The very thing that you're meant to save people from, because of your anger, you're saying they should go there. You can't talk like that anymore. Hallelujah. So now, there's a brother or a sister in church who is not acting properly. Normally, you should give it to him. And then, you know, you, you say, if I give him a piece of my mind, he won't come to this church again. Hallelujah. And I'm wondering, what type of mind is that? That just a piece of it will chase someone away. <laughs> is that the mind of Christ? Is that church mind? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So you know what you do? Just for the sake of the person's growth, of the person's preservation, so that the person can be around long enough to grow and learn, you keep the person. Praise the Lord. Now, this is what brings sacredness into our association. The blood. The blood. Imagine if you treated the people by your side, conscious of the blood, the price paid for them. Someone died so that this person can hear the gospel and be saved. I went because of petty Petty circumstances pursue him away. Hallelujah. Now, this is serious. And then the second thing you need to realize is this. The death of Jesus and the example therein has become such an important aspect of our spiritual growth. Because there's a huge lesson there. There's a lesson in it. That's why he said, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ. There's a huge lesson there. So think this way, act this way. You see, a lot of people believe that their redemptive experience is at the resurrection. And they have a point. You were not born again until Jesus rose from the dead. But you see, even in Christ, even if your post-redemptive experience you know, emphasizes the resurrection, there is something about that death that you need to learn to grow spiritually. So you find yourself like Paul, you know, you're preaching the gospel, people are saved, but you say that I may know him, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death, because there is a lesson. What type of mindset did he have that will make him lay aside his glory, empty himself of divine privileges, take on the form of a man, I told you if that was the only requirement of redemption, it's still not easy. If all Jesus had to do to save you was to become a man and go back, it's still not easy. Let me put things in perspective. Just imagine you. After going through this tough war, Jesus Christ comes. He gives you a new body, eternal body, strong, that can never grow weak, can never grow tired, never grow sick never be injured, and all of that. And then after a while, he calls you again and says, I, I want to send you back to the earth for 33 and a half years. You will use that your former body. You say, which former body? The one with Ogo? <laughs> ah. 
Is it the one that the leg was like this? <laughs> Which former body? And he said, you know, just to establish my purpose, you know, I want you to, by the time you spend one more night in Nigeria and mosquito bites you and you feel the pain, you'll be annoyed. Just mosquito bites. Are we back here? Do you know who I am? Do you know where I'm coming from? You know, I, I was talking to somebody, an entrepreneur who is doing very well in Lagos years ago. And he looked at me and said, you know, you know what, Pastor? I want to be honest with you. I have a secret fear. I don't want to ever be broke again. <laughs> you know, I've been there, don't, I don't want to ever be broke again. So a lot of people who have tasted privileges never want to leave it. But now, you think about someone who was in very essence and character, God, but he stepped out, humbled himself. The Bible says he took on the form of a servant. You may not understand that because you are a servant yourself. And you hype yourself too much. You dress so well, but you are a well-dressed servant. You don't understand. I'm talking about someone who was divine stepping into your world, your experience. Into a body made of dirt. You know, do you know, even your first day in the body, you can just be irritated. The fact that you have to wash it, to maintain it. Wear sweater when it's cold. Like, what's, what's this? I have to learn all this. Hallelujah. Now that's, that's your example. He humbled himself unto death, even the death of the cross. And you know, I said in the first service, you see, I believe that the nails were not the most painful part of that redemptive sacrifice. The emotional trauma was more painful. Think about the fact. One of his, the closest people to him betrayed him. He said he knew already. It doesn't make it less painful. Someone that ate with you three and a half years. Benefited of your ministry. You trusted him enough for him to be in charge of your purse. And now for more money. He literally sells you out. And so just imagine you were in Jesus' shoes. What to be running through your mind that night? Judas, you know, he betrayed me, you know, and, and you're walking. And then again, same night, Peter, at least Judas, we can understand. He had this, he showed the signs. Then Peter denies you three times. Same night. They ask him, hey, you sound like them. He say, them who? Jesus, I've never heard the name before. Ah, ah. Say, I, 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 nev I never heard the name before. What's all this? Why are you people harassing me? I don't know him. Leave me alone. <laughs> Hallelujah. As if that was not enough. Moments later, he's put on a stand. The most notorious criminal in town is put by his side, and they're meant to make a vote. Vote for who, you'll be, who would be released. 
unbelievable response. Give us Barabbas. Free Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. Give us Barabbas. And I'm wondering, where were all the people that were healed just days ago? Where were all the people that were putting palm fronds for his donkey to walk past, saying, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. Now, they were not found in the polling units. When it mattered the most, they were in their houses. Praise the Lord. Give us Barabbas. You know, so just imagine what will be going through your mind emotionally as you're going through that cross. I can tell you, they might be beating you, but you're thinking, Judas, Peter, and me, Barabbas. Barabbas. After all I've done for these people. Think about the fact that at any time in all the process, he could have decided to change his mind. He said, the father has given me the right to lay my life down and to take it up again. He could have changed his mind. Say, they are not worth it. And he would just start ascending. Una no serious. I just... Check out like a boss. I know well. Hellfire. Burn you. <laughs> Burn. Start realizing. Put lighter. It will, I know some of you, you will say all kinds of things as you are going. <laughs> Hallelujah. But not only did he say that. The Bible says he was obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. And that's not the part that got me the most. I'm still trying to think about it. Still trying to think about it. He's on the cross, and then he looks on the people, and he says, Father, forgive them. For what? Listen, I can even understand you die, you rise again, then you come back and you say, Father, forgive them. You know, don't you need time to cool off? Some of you know what I'm talking about. You need that cool off time. You know, you're fighting with your spouse or even your boyfriend because of charger. Because of charger. You know, you borrowed your charger. You didn't return it. Now your battery was low. You couldn't make up, you know. And so now he's coming and he's saying, I'm sorry. But just so that he doesn't think that it's a small matter, you don't forgive him yet. You still sulk a little. Do you understand? I will forgive him in like 20 minutes so that he doesn't think it's a small matter. But I've told you before, I've told you before. Sorry now, sorry now, sorry now, sorry now. You know, so it has to go on for a while. I'm talking about petty stuff like charger. <laughs> you know, but now people betrayed you. They are, li they are literally killing you. You're on the cross. Think about this. And you say, Father, forgive right at that moment. I mean, he was still feeling the pain as he was saying it. Let me tell you something. In a good way, we're all in trouble. Because the person we're going to face at the end of our life has gone through all that we're going through and more. And he was tempted at every point yet without sin. You know, so what are you going to tell him? What are you? He's not like a spoiled boss, you know, who is giving you all kinds of demands, but he has never really done your job before. He just has rich parents. They give him a company and he's shouting at everybody. You know, 
But this is someone who rose through the ranks, did everything you are doing. And so when he's telling you you can do better, you know he knows what he's saying. What are you going to say then? So now, it's not an option. Let this mind be in you. It's not an appeal, it's an instruction, which also was in Christ Jesus. I don't know, maybe the same thing you do when you're um, installing apps on your phone. You don't read the terms and conditions, they are too long, you just scroll down, I agree. <laughs> you know, you don't know what it means to be in Christ. You don't get to receive the free gift of salvation and refuse to forgive other people. It's not part of the terms and conditions. You don't get to be unforgiving anymore. You, you don't have that privilege. You will never have that privilege again. Now, no matter who offends you, you must forgive. Not because he said sorry. Not because he really meant it when he said sorry. But as Christ also forgave you. Now, that's your standard. As long as Christ forgave you and you accepted the forgiveness, you must forgive. Even people who don't say sorry. <laughs> I remember as a new believer, I was learning these things. And one lady spoke to me rudely. This was on campus. And I was just like, did you see me in your dream? Why will you just, you know, in public? So after a few minutes, just practicing this thing. And I went to her and, and I said, she was wrong. I said, you know what, I'm sorry. How do you think, you know, I'm, I mean, maybe I should have responded better. He said, I'm not angry with you. I'm not angry. If I was angry with you, you, <laughs> you would say, I'm not angry. <laughs> so I looked at myself, looked at her, looked at Jesus, you know. And I'm like, now you. <laughs> now you. Now you accept it. You wear it. You take your sub. And you go, <laughs> praise the Lord. I mean, we don't, now you must forgive that drunk driver that killed your brother. You must forgive that father that abused you. you it's not an option. He forgave you much more. Hallelujah. So now, he's using the sacrifice of Christ to hold you accountable. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Are you learning anything? Eph Ephesians chapter 4 verse 33. Did I say 33? 32. He says, and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Listen, easier said than done. No. He didn't say forgive those who apologize. Forgive even as Christ also forgave you. Hallelujah. And then you see, you know, that's the last verse of the chapter, but you have to understand the Bible originally was not written in chapters and verses. So the first verse of chapter 5 is still a continuation from that thought. And it says, therefore, be imitators of God as their children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. So he's saying that sacrifice of Christ, imitate it. 
You see, this is the issue. A lot of us have received redemption, received salvation. I was thinking, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. He loves me. I cannot say why. But they never really told us the responsibility that that love bestows on us. We know John 3.16. We don't know 1 John 3.16. John 3.16 is the provision, the privilege. 1 John 3.16 is the responsibility that that privilege bestows on us. John 3.16, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish and have everlasting life. 1 John 3.16, he loved you, he died for you. You also lay your life down for the brethren. So this is the requirement, the condition of grace. That what I receive freely, I must reciprocate. And it's not even an option. Have you read the terms and conditions? <laughs> Hallelujah. That's our life. And trust me, it's a free way to live. Someone described forgiveness as going to a prison to release someone only to realize you were the one in the prison all the while. It's been eight years now. The guy broke up with you. You are still stalking him on Facebook, on, Facebook, on Instagram, looking at his picture, hissing. Is yourself here doing? This is the best thing he ended up marrying. He's not even fine. See the child, see the head, you know? Let this mind be in you. This is church mind. Let this mind be in you. Which was also in Christ. In Matthew 18, verse 24, the Bible tells a story. Now, when Jesus tells a story to typify redemptive reality, you better take it seriously. Better take it seriously. He says, there's a master. He had a servant that owed him 10,000 denarii. And the, and the servant came to him and pleaded, I don't have this money to pay. Forgive me. And he forgave the servant freely. And the servant was on his way. And he saw another person who owed him 100 pence. I wish I could do the conversion for you. <laughs> 10,000 denarii versus 100 pence. You know what he did? He threw the guy in prison. And so when the master heard about it, he said, you, I forgave you freely. He threw someone else in prison. He said, you also will go to prison until you have paid everything that you owe. You know, and that's a picture of the kingdom. Now, God, no matter the hurt that you've experienced from people, God has forgiven you much more. Just the privilege of eternal life you have in Christ, now you must forgive. That's, now you're reading that story and you're like, what type of servant is that? Very wicked. You're missing the point. The story is about you. Maybe that's what you're doing currently. The person that offended you, SS2, you are still holding him in your mind. Born again. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 
is there anybody in this world that if the person stepped in here, you feel animosity? You have to release that person in this service. Sell out the amen. You, you, you don't get, it's, it's not an option. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's not an option at all. He has forgiven you much more. You must forgive. And so now this becomes a standard for accountability. So if we have coin on here, I mean, if God has changed your heart, I know what my experience with the Holy Spirit is. I know what the Holy Spirit is meant to produce in a believer. And beef is not one of them. So, I mean, I, I see maybe two people in the local church, and they are not talking. And, and I'm like, ah, wh what happened? You know what? I don't even care what happened. Hog, 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 please. You understand? Ah, ah, what's going on? <laughs> ah, ah. Praise the Lord. Because we can hold each other accountable. Hold it. Ah, ah, you are fighting. Fighting who? What happened? Eh? Praise the Lord. What happened? You misplaced your pen. Ah. And you say, hey, boy, he has done it before. Ah. What did he misplace the other time? A pen also. Ah. What? What's happening? <laughs> Praise the Lord. You see, being in Christ gives you some form of class. You're just too much for pettiness. You, you understand? You just let things go. I'm telling you, it's a classy way to live. Do you know what it means to live free, not to care who is beefing you? Because if, if you are beefing me, I love you. <laughs> Do you understand? I'm praying for you. And that's going to frustrate you. Because people who are beefing like to be noticed. They want you to know that I'm angry with you. If you don't notice anger, it's painful. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Just see someone, the person squeezing, ah, guy, how you doing? You look nice. Tap him. <laughs> Safe. <laughs> no time. Hallelujah. Souls to save, seek to heal sense of purpose in Christ. It just gives you maturity. Saves you from the pettiness of the corruption of this present age. From doing this track. Turn <laughs> <laughs> switch. Uh, especially the one with scriptures. <laughs> Larry, I always rated you. <laughs> like, what? You know, it came out on a Saturday. I was praying in tongues, preparing for service. I just saw notification. Ah! Say, okay, I'll pray and still listen. Now, don't go for it. <laughs> ah! <laughs> ah! <laughs> Buzz! <laughs> Lord, I'm sorry. My daughter. <laughs> Say, what is going on? <laughs> Turn your Bibles, book of Philemon. <laughs> So now, just to reestablish what I said, our history 
the death and the rise of the Christ makes the association that we have sacred. Not only a consciousness that we carry, but something we can hold others accountable to. So Paul is talking to the church at Philippi, where we started. And he's like, do you have any comfort in Christ? Any benefit of being in the Lord? He said, act this way. You can hold people accountable. And write in a letter, say unto Archippus, fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. So just imagine how they were reading public letters then. Because most of the books of the Bible, the epistles were letters. So they were reading it, say unto Archippus. So they looked at it, Archippus! <laughs> I mean, that's how it happened. You hold people accountable to their position in the Lord. And so this was the case with Philemon. Look at verse 4 of Philemon 1. It says, I thank my God, making mention of thee in my prayers, hearing of your love and your faith. This is koinonia. Hearing of your love and your faith, which thou hast towards the Lord Jesus Christ and towards all the saints. So now I know that you are saved because that your faith has produced love for the saints. Now he's going to hold him accountable now. Because this is called sandwich approach. I thank God for you. Make it mention of you in my prayers. I know you. I know the, your, your, your salvation is genuine because it has produced love for the saints. And now, the punchline. He says that the communication, the koinonia, what we have in common in the faith may become evident unto the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ. This is holding someone accountable. We have a koinonia in Christ. Let it become evident for others to acknowledge. Oh, this text has had all kinds of interpretation. Some say koinonia means our gathering together. No, I already told you that. You can gather together and not have koinonia. He's holding them accountable to their experience in the Lord. What he called like precious faith elsewhere. We are both saved. We have an experience in the light. He says, let it be evident. Because now this is the background of the story. There is a guy who used to work for Philemon named Onesimus. Onesimus historically stole from Philemon and ran away. And <laughs> wherever he ran to, he later encountered Paul, received the gospel, was saved, and, I mean, became a Christian. But Philemon is still, you know, angry. Like, he has let him go, but he doesn't want to hear only anything. <laughs> have, you, have you had that experience before? Like that before? So now Paul has been taking care of him. And now Paul is in prison. Who will be accountable for Onesimus? I'm going to send him back to Philemon. Ah. When you want to get a believer to act like this, there is what to tell him. Remind him of who he is. He said that our coin on here <laughs> will be evident unto the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ. Uh -uh. KP, you say we have like precious faith. You must forgive now. We don't get to be unforgiving. You don't have that privilege. So when he said that he entered Onesimus matter, <laughs> what a way. This is your approach. 
when you go to your friend's house, he's fighting with his wife. I'm not doing again. Ah, the wife is a believer. The husband is a believer. You are not doing what? Ah, okay, sit down. Let's talk. You remind them. Do you understand? <laughs> because we are well, now. We have very high standards in Christ. I'm telling you, we're all in good trouble. Good trouble, to put it mildly. Because before, at least under Moses, the standard was, there is one thing that can make you divorce anybody, adultery. But now the Bible says we should be imitators of Christ. And when Christ caught someone straight from the bed of adultery, the first thing he said is, let he who is without sin throw the first stone. Uh, and they all dropped their stones anyway. And he walked to the woman and said, why are you accusers? No one left to accuse you? Neither do I. Go and sin no more. And I'm like, no, Jesus, no, no. You forgive too easily. At least first tell her, you say, you know, try, you know, don't do that next time. You know what I mean? But he will always forgive first before he gives you instruction. He will establish that acceptance. Go and sin no more. Mean, meaning he's not tolerating this sin. You have to understand what I'm saying. But he will have you understand that you will always be accepted here. I don't, I don't, I don't accuse you. Go and sin no more. And now it is that kind of love that will even help you overcome the habit and the sin. That ah, Just like that, he forgave me. He, he, he has forgiven much. I will love much. That's the psychology of, of salvation. Praise the name of the Lord. But now, just imagine you are the husband waiting at home. So it is true. You know, Insta blog has carried it. This woman did this. And then you are watching from the window. Jesus says, go and sin no more. What will you now say? <laughs> do, do you realize the kind of box that puts you into? Will I... Refuse to forgive someone that Christ has forgiven. Don't worry if you can't take this yet. But it's in the Bible. You see, there are, there are some things in spiritual growth you're not ready for. When you go, you will read other places, you will still come back. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> Glory be to God. Are you still in Philemon 1? Now look at verse 17. Verse 17 is the conclusion of verse 6. He said, if you count me therefore to be koinonia, the word translated partner, what's going on? The word translated partner is actually koinonia. If you consider me to be a brother in Christ, to be someone who shares your experience, what did he say you would do? You will receive Onesimus back. <laughs> what a way to preach. Placing a demand on who you are in Christ to get you to do something that is consistent with the will of God. If indeed we have koinonia, this is how we will behave. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This is our life. We live light. No beef, no animosity towards anybody. You know, we're just free. And we are not making trouble, too. Because there are some troublemakers that like to say, I, I don't have anything against anybody. Of course, everyone has a thing against you. 
Hallelujah. I'll just read one more text and then we'll be on our way. First John chapter 4. This is another text that has not really been understood. Very crucial to what we're talking about. Hallelujah. Have you learned anything? Someone here, you, this word is for you. Like, this is what you're going through now. I mean, there's someone you must release. You must release. You must release. Yeah, he hurt you bad. But you must release. You must forgive. You don't, you don't, it's either you forgive or you forgive. That's, that's how many options you have. Praise the Lord. We, we have no other life. We have no other life. For Christ's sake, as Christ forgave you, forgive. And so he tells you in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Not that he's loving or he's lovely, but he is love. There is no other title or description that perfectly portrays his character better than love. God is love. Hallelujah. Now, <laughs> let's get serious. Now, First John chapter 4, verse 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God. What a conclusion. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Why? Because God is love. And then you come to verse 17. And it says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. You know, a lot of people just take this out of context as he is. So are we in this world. We function in his power. We work miracles. And all those things are wonderful and great. But in context, who did he say he is? He is love. So he says, as he is, so are we. He is love. I am love. And so by our love, they will identify us as children of love. Hallelujah. They will know us by our love. This is our identity. As, as he is, so are we. We cannot but love. We are not capable of anything that is outside love. As he is, so are we. This is my identity in the Lord. Say loud amen. And this is our assurance of salvation. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He says anyone who claims to be in the light and hates his brother, is in darkness until now. And he says, by your love walk, he says that we may have boldness on the day of judgment. Because salvation definitely is by faith, but faith works by love. And your faith will always be evident in your love walk. And your love walk is your boldness on the day of judgment. If you have no love walk, be afraid. One of the ways to prepare for the coming of Christ is your love walk. Say with me, as he is, so I am. Hallelujah. 
as he is, so am I. He is love, so I love. Hallelujah. See, there is nobody that I do not like. There is nobody that I hate. Say, my mind is free. Free. Free to love. Free to forgive. In the mighty name of Jesus. Say, anyone I've held in my heart for this long, I forgive in the name of Jesus. I let them go in the name of Jesus. I walk in love only. Hallelujah. Rise to your feet now. Rise to your feet now. I want to give you 20 seconds. Just repeat that prayer. If you have anyone to release, release right now. And just say, I walk in love. No other choice but love. It's either love or love. See, that's my life. I don't want you to be silent. I want you to actually pray. I want you to actually pray. Thank you, Jesus. For someone here, this is a word in season for you. Act on it. It's time. It's time to forgive daddy. It's time to forgive mommy. The Lord is talking to you. It's time. Thank you, Jesus. Don't be silent. Right now, I want you to pray for someone who doesn't like you. And just bless him. And wish him or her well. And pray for the person to come to the knowledge of the truth. I want you to pray now. Pray for that person. And just say, I wish you well in the name of Jesus. I walk in love towards you. It might be a harsh boss in your office. A hostile friend. Even on social media. Someone who said horrible things about you. Don't be silent. This is a praying church. Come on. I don't want to look around and see any one of you moping around. Pray right now. Pray right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Just hold the person by your side for a minute. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that as you walk in us, to manifest even more than ever before the fruit and the evidence of the Spirit in our love work. It will impact our association in a deeper way. We will hold each other accountable and we will glorify you in this present world. Walking like you, talking like you, loving like you, forgiving as you forgive. And it will become clear to the world that we are just like you because you've given us your spirit. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, say loud, amen. amen. Were you blessed? Yes. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Yes.
Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.